But the rhythm between Nagy and Foles, that dynamic, the fact that Matt can literally tell Nick, go run the hurry up, run whatever plays you think in this system are going to work next. We'll send something in if you need to audible at the line audible. And he can trust him on that. That's the biggest difference. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardian. Those are great guys on all social media platforms, and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. We are back here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Another gorgeous evening, or should I say morning, here in the Central Florida area. Myself and my ride partner, DMV guy, Michael Gray. What is going on? Nothing much, man. It's been a pretty good week. I actually got a chance to go back to the DMV this weekend, you know, get a decompressed, chill with family, vibe out and stuff like that. So all in all, everything's been pretty good. How about you, man? Yeah, everything is good. It's just been stressful. It's been a rough week. Not a lot of sleep, sleep deprived, but we're here, God willing. We're here, we're ready to go. And um, we can already tell Daylight Savings is up this upcoming Sunday. So you can already tell that it's 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 only tough sledding from here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's weather changes, flu season's on the way. You know, it's, it's definitely that time of the year. No doubt, no doubt there for sure. Um, and it's time for us this the season. The MLB is over. The NBA season is over. We'll talk about the NBA season real quick um, shortly here. Um, we're only down to the NFL season, Mike, and um, it, it's it's crazy to think that with a strange year that we've had thus far, we're trying to make it to the finish line and trying to finish all of the 2020 seasons for all American major sports um, it, it was a brutal one. Negotiations, collective bargaining agreements with CBAs, owners, uh, you know, with NFL, NBA, MLBPA, all being involved in this. It's crazy, but there's there's a light under the tunnel for sure. Yeah, there definitely is. You know, it, um, you know, hats off to all the sports who handled their business and took care of you know all the responsibilities and, and made the necessary precautions to make sure the players and the coaches and everybody in the organizations were safe during these times of playing because that was one of the biggest keys coming into this um uh season whether or not everybody when everybody restarted so uh i was i, I was i was impressed to see how everybody handled their business and we'll jump right into it mike um let's start off with the nba it's been noted that the nba wants to start around 
anywhere before Christmas or on December 25th. We know that's a marquee day where all some of the biggest stars and the biggest games and the biggest opponents collide on Christmas Day. The league officials has stated December 22nd as a potential landing spot. And others have said, obviously, the Chris on Christmas Day for sure. But some teammates say they may not show up, Mike. Guys like LeBron James and Danny Green and some of these other teams uh, and their best players saying that it's a quick turnaround from the bubble to restart this season. They're saying maybe January 20th, which would be Martin Luther King Day. And others are saying potentially March. What is your thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I understand where they're coming from because it's literally a two-month turnaround for those guys that made it all the way to the finals, like the Heat and the Lakers and those guys that had a, a deep playoff run like the Celtics, Raptors, and, and, and things like that. So The Nuggets, um, correct. Yep. The Nuggets and the teams like that. So it's, it, I, I understand their perspective on that because because of the quick turnaround. You know, but the question is how long of how long would they set out? You know, I don't know. I don't know how long they would set out. I don't know how long they would um, you know, wait before they before they feel like they're ready to go. But um, you know, I do love the love the fact that you know we're getting basketball back, especially for those teams that haven't really played since March, or or haven't played since the start of the NBA bubble. So I I do like the fact that we get the we get this quick turnaround as a fan. But for the players from a player's perspective, I understand those the the Heat, the Lakers, the Nuggets, and teams like that. That they might, they might want some players that want to sit out for a little bit. My only question is, how long would you sit out, and what would be the protocol for that? Yep, the league are saying they're having another condensed season from 82 games to 72 games uh, this upcoming season. But I agree with you, Mike. Uh, I if they were to start Christmas Day or around that time in December, I think advantage goes teams that haven't played since yes. the Golden State Warriors. We expect them to be better now, right? Curry's oh. back, Clay's back advantage them they might get off to a quick start a quick hot start especially we know how explosive that pack court can be katie and Kyrie. they've had over almost two years of non-basketball uh the nets may get off to a quick start so i i would think teams like that it would be advantage them whereas the teams that played in the bubble and went deep you know they, they might start off slow you know they might rest their players they may get off into slow start Guys may not be in the best game shape, so I, I'm very wary about this. I, 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 I'm with the players here. I think that they should continue to uh, relook this start date. I, I think this is something that they should renegotiate with the CBA and maybe start within 2021. Now, Adam Silver said that he hoped to have uh, fans back in seats uh, in these venues. I doubt it. There hasn't even been a cure or vaccine yet so i am not sure if that's gonna happen and i'm with the players here i think this is something that they need to start maybe in the months of january to march now reason being the nba want to start this earlier mike is because the olympics are in july this year rather than being in august uh here in the tokyo games but even then you're still gonna have like a two-month layoff right after the nba finals for uh, Team USA to have camps in Vegas in order to get ready for the Tokyo Games. So I, I don't think that is going to be a major problem at all. I think they should just start um, when the players feel the need and and they should be good to go. I think that quick turnaround for December is, is, is just quick. And, and it seems like the NBA is looking out more for their brand and, their, and, the, and, and themselves rather than the players in certain perspectives because if, if, if they were to continue to start it late, you could have seen a paradigm. They, by them starting trying to start the season early in December, 
you're you're stopping the fact of a, of a potential paradigm shift in sports as far as when sports starts and when 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 the NBA season when we're we're used to accustomed seeing the NBA season start we're, it would be a different time now so uh, the NBA is looking out for themselves in, in this situation and they're also you know it's not it was not really in the best interest of most of the players it's just more so the fact that they don't want they want to avoid a paradigm shift and possibly overlapping with other sports um during during their seasons. Agreed, agreed. There for sure. Other news in the NBA: uh, We know that Daryl Marley is going to be with Elton Brand in uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, Mike. They're making huge moves. First, Doc Rivers and now Daryl Marley. What's next? Can they lure a marquee free agent, or will they want to build with their core nucleus of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons? But Philadelphia is making and ringing that bell in Philadelphia, in the city of brotherly love. Um, and other news, the Dallas Mavericks uh, have, excuse me, the Houston Rockets have gotten Dallas Mavericks assistant, Stephen Silas. We know about his father, Paul Silas, um, who coached the NBA years ago. And um, coming from Rick Carlisle, you know that you come from a great coaching tree because the guy can coach. I'm excited for him as a black African-American himself, getting an opportunity uh, to run things in Houston and being able to coach a talent like James Harden and some other key pieces. We'll see what they do with Russell Westbrook. So those are the two uh, key things that happened around the week, along with Stan Van Gundy in New Orleans. Yeah, definitely. I love um, I love what I'm seeing from, from – I love the Steven Silas trade because, you know, Houston already has a pre-existing history with – uh, Silas, because he was in consideration of getting the head coaching job before Mike D'Antoni got it. So the, he, he already has a relationship with the Houston Rockets. And, you know, like coming from, you know, they said that, you know, the work that he's done over the years has been, you know, six, you know, being with the Dallas Mavericks and, uh, you know, other other organizations being a scout in Washington uh, and, and, and like being being affiliated with the NBA for all these years, especially what he did these past couple of years in Dallas with Luka Doncic and the, and the development of this offense and this system under Rick Carlisle. They love what they seen from this brother, and hopefully he can bring some of those things to James Harden and Russell Westbrook because I, I'm I'm ready to finally see what James Harden uh, looks like um, in a real offensive system that's not catered to him, you know, having to do do as much. And he's allowed to play off ball. Russell Westbrook can can ascend, and I want to see what this team looks like together with those with those two stars uh, in a, in a real system. So I'm I'm excited for Sadis. I agree there as well, and and we'll see what he does. And a guy that is defensive-minded mike he's he's a guy that uh, acts for defensive principles and Mm -hmm. we saw strides last year in james harden's game being able to not only be a a deficiency or a liability on defense but being able to actively uh be able to um to get in a five-man stance putting his hands up and sometimes mike it's even for the great players it's all about effort sometimes right yeah Yeah, james harden's got the size he's not a small guy he's he's got prototypical NBA size. He's, he's pretty big um, at 219. Sometimes it's just effort. And we saw that last year, being amongst the league leaders in steals, being amongst the league leaders in drawing fouls. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see how he gets acclimated in Silas' system. Yeah, it definitely is. And I'm glad you said that because James Harden has always had the ability to be a great defender. It's all about effort and want to. And, you know, this this could be something that propels him. Sometimes you need that motivation from the top, somebody that's going to push you uh, uh, on that side of the ball in order to bring the best out of you. I don't feel like Mike D'Antoni brought the best out of him or the rest of his team defensively as the way Silas will. So uh, it's it's a great pickup for that side of the ball as well. 
no doubt. Philadelphia making names. You got uh, Doc Rivers, and now they've got Daryl Marley. They're looking for a culture change in Philadelphia, Mike. Yes, they definitely are. And I, I, um, I feel like Joel Embiid is a lot. I wonder if they're going to keep Ben Simmons. I feel like, you know, the value that Ben Simmons has now, while he still has some pretty high value, I feel like they're, they're going to uh, – it's a potential that they could trade him for potentially the number one pick. They could trade him for, you know, other pieces around the league. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure w- which route they're going to go, but I do feel like at some point, especially uh, um, coming into the season, at some point that they're going to, they're going to look, look to make a move and, and um, use, use that value because um, I just, I, it's, it's so hard for me to see that, that to see Doc Rivers and them continue, continue with this core because of, right. because of everything that's been going on over the last few years. Yes. And I agree with you, Mike. I don't know what it is, but Philadelphia is planning something. Yeah. I don't know what it is because <laughs> if you bring a guy like Daryl Marley, he has a tendency in his history. We've seen this in Houston. Yeah. A very aggressive GM, not being scared to pull the trigger. You get, you sign James Harden, you sign D'Antoni, De- you completely change your entire roster to cater to what D'Antoni and James Harden does best. And then you go out and get Chris Paul. Then that doesn't work. You're not afraid to trade Chris Paul. Then you get Russell Westbrook. So I, Philadelphia's planning something, Mike. I don't know what it is, but I, I'm going to agree with you here. Is it Ben Simmons or is it Joel Embiid? And I've always said I think Embiid mm-hmm. out of the two has more of a value. Here's yeah. why. Now, obviously, you know, in today's game, bigs are extinct. It's it's not the 90s. You don't have Hakeem or or David Robinson or Charles Barkley, Carl Malone. So the, the game of in today's game has changed from – the big man just getting the ball in the paint and just dominating the paint inside like Shaquille O'Neal used to do. Um, so now it's more of, you know, we want three and D guys. We want to be able to have guys that can we can draft to play multiple positions. Can you switch one through five? Uh, the small ball, the three-point shot has come to as at an elite premium now. So I, I think actually Ben Simmons, although he can't shoot, would be a guy that they'd want to keep and have – and you can get a lot for Joel Embiid. I mean, the guy can at least give you like two or three first round draft picks. If Houston was going to try to get four for Jimmy Butler, can you imagine what you're going to get with Joel Embiid, a top 10 player? So I I think Philadelphia is planning something, Mike. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Is it, is it a trade for James Harden? Is it a trade for, with the relationship with Daryl Marley? We've heard news about that. Is it a pull for Chris Paul? Now, I'm not sure about that because the relationship with him and Doc didn't fare well in L.A. So what is it? Mike, Philadelphia is on our radar. They're planning something. I just can't figure out what it is. Yeah, they're definitely planning something. And the reason why I would, um, I feel like like they're leaning towards getting rid of Ben is because last year, one of the biggest problems for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers was not what they could do on the defensive side, was their lack of shooting and their lack of offensive efficiency. And Ben Simmons, as we've seen over the years, he, he just can't shoot the basketball on a consistent level. So he just can't do it. In today's game, you have to be able to shoot the basketball. When Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid can shoot the basketball better than Ben Simmons, as far, right. as, far as what we've seen. You know, right. and, and, that's, and that's what it is. On top of being able to, when he wants to, on a consistent basis, when he's in shape, when he's right <laughs> mentally, dominate inside the paint and on the end as a rim protector. So I feel like, I feel like, uh, 
Doc Rivers, Daryl Moore, and those guys, they, they might look at it from the standpoint of we can use, we can uh, build around Joel Embiid and bring in some key pieces around him in order to, uh, to really be successful this year. And it's, and this year, Mike, I think it is, it, this is it. This is the last straw for, for, for Philadelphia fans in this roster. Oh, I don't yeah. think they're going to make a move yet. I think they want to see what they have in their roster. And this is kind of like a year where Ben Simmons has to prove it. If I'm Doc Rivers, I tell Ben Simmons, I know you're an elite defender. I know that you are, you can get into the lane, you can dominate the paint, and you can get in the paint and create shots and three-point looks for others. Right. I don't want you to do nothing but shoot three-pointers in the offseason. And Joel Embiid, I would tell, if I were Doc Rivers, you are the best big since Shaquille O'Neal. I don't need you shooting threes out there, like Charles Barkley says. I need you to be in the paint and chicken dinner, and that is abusing smaller guys inside with your size, your strength, and your quickness because he's very quick for a guy that's very. 17 as well. He need to be banging down on the post, Mike. And so if I'm Doc Rivers, those are the two things I'm telling. Ben, If you you need to do be doing one thing, and that's shooting threes. If I see you doing anything else, you're running suicides. And for Joel, <laughs> I need you down in that paint. Now, hey, if it's a pick and roll and they completely – you know, miss assignment and you get a three-point shot, that's fair enough. But we don't want you taking five, six threes. We need you down in that paint where that's where we're going to get most of our offense because they have to double, and that creates jump shots for Richardson, for the Tobiases of the world. We'll see if they make a move for those guys as well. But I, I think this year is a make-it-or-prove-it year for Philadelphia, and then next year they'll evaluate and, and free agency what they want to do because sure. you know, next year Kawhi Leonard is can opt out. Giannis is a free agent. So I, they're brewing something in Philadelphia, Mike. Very good point. And like you say, along with the fact that, you know, trying to figure out how they're going to build a running two stars or what they're going to do with their two stars, they have a few uh, few contracts on their team that um, that are handicapping them right now and they're just not getting the value from it. The Al Horford, Mike. The Al Horford, Al Horford getting over $120 million over five years. You got Tobias Harris on a $170 million contract over five years. They're just not giving you that production, and they need it. I love Al Horford, but at this point in his career, I feel like he was overpaid because in five years, he'll be close to 40, if not right. 40. So he's not going to give you that same production that he gave you in Atlanta, that he gave you in Boston. He's just not that guy anymore. And Tobias Harris is a good player, but is he $170 million worth giving uh, – is he giving you that return on investment that you paid for? It's, it's, it's a lot of questions in Philadelphia. <laughs> As soon as they get out of these contracts and they can make some moves, they're definitely going to look, look forward to rebuilding and putting some key players around their two stars to make it happen. Exactly there for sure. And and right now, it's it's a lot of things down in the city of brotherly love. But from the city of brotherly love, Mike, we are going to go momentarily. Our next guest from Chicago, Pat the Designer is what they call him. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show, live inside the studio. So WNSC. We know about New York and we know about Los Angeles, Chicago the third largest population-wise in America, and Chicago's finest is with us this evening. Pat the Designer, that's what they like to call him. Pat, we're a pleasure to have you back as a returning guest on our show. What happened on Monday night that obviously took the Bears um, 
slipping down uh, from the AFC North crown? Um, I, I think what you what you got to look at uh, is, is a culmination of a lot of terrible offensive play. Um, when I look at the defense, you you can say, you know, that the defense had what what was a down game. It wasn't a pretty game. It wasn't a game that they would look at and say that this is our bread and butter. This is what we're known for. But at the end of the day, they played pretty bad and still gave up 24 points. And the, right now, the Chicago Bears don't have an offense that can consistently put up 24 points. And and we're going to continue to see that all year long. We're going to uh, uh, – not, not all year long, but hopefully it's something they can get together. But when you look at this offensive line, there's a lot of concerns. A lot of concerns. A lot of concerns for sure. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pat, I, I, I saw those concerns as well. But I also, yeah, I also saw the fact that, you know, Nick Foles – he, he looked. He looked off. I want. I want to get your perspective on whether or not you feel like he can continue to improve in this offense throughout the rest of the season, or is this a culmination of things to come? I think to me, you look at Nick Foles, and yeah, he did look off. Um, but to me, it's more of a of a culmination of you got to make a life decision out there. Like it's literally hike, turn around. Somebody's in your face. You got to make a decision right then and there. Uh, he definitely on the on that that pass deep to Darnell Mooney. You'd love to see him be able to step into that throw mm-hmm. uh, yeah. on that on uh, on across the middle to to Allen uh, uh, Anthony Miller. Uh, you you'd like to see him be able to step into those throws. Those are the kind of throws that I think that we've seen when he gets protection. Uh, unfortunately, versus a terrible Atlanta defense. Um, <laughs> he he he's able to step into those throws and he's he's fairly accurate. Um, yeah. But. What I see is a quarterback who I, in my eyes, he does have the talent to do it. Is he, is he the Tom Brady? Is he Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely not. We're we're not going to say that he's the savior for Chicago sports. He's not the quarterback for the next 10 years. But I think that the fact that this guy isn't protected, the fact that in all honesty, he's not as mobile as Mitch was so that he can make those quick moves to get away is really a, a detriment to the Chicago offense. Um, and it's it's not on Nick to me. It's it's on the fact that there is no protection up front for him, and that uh, the Bears have not schemed anything to protect anything up front for him. You bring up you bring up a great point about you know the Bears uh, looking lackluster, especially on the offensive line. But I want to talk about how they looked on defense, giving up 161 yards to this Rams team. That's that's very unlike. That's unlike the Bears' defense to give to be that uh, to lack that physicality on on the front seven, especially with that defensive line. Uh, talk to me about that uh, that defensive performance and how they can improve moving forward. Uh, I, like I said before, I don't think it's a performance that they that they're going to want to uh, put up there and say that this is our best football. Um, but at the end of the day, we've seen with this Bears defense all year. Uh, it's it's a very bend but don't break defense. Um, we we the reason that they're the number one defense is in the red zone is because they've spent a lot of time in the red zone. They've just caused teams to to uh, kick field goals when they've gotten down there. And I, and we we saw somewhat of a repeat of that uh, uh, early on in that game. Um, but I mean, you you gotta you gotta do everything you can for your defense. And when your defense is out there uh, giving it their all for three four drives in a row. And right. they're getting a minute and a half to a to a two minute break. Great point. It, it's it's gonna it's gonna cause issues at, at the end of the day, and you're gonna see. And like I said, a lackluster performance, twenty four points. We should be able to put up twenty four points in the NFL. It's a passing I lead. <laughs> I agree. 
I agree. There's a lot of men in, in, up front. We got Akeem Hicks and obviously the greatness of uh, Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson. And they, they even came out and said that they were pretty soft in this game. So I expect a, a bounce back game this week in New Orleans um, against the Saints, a battle of five and two teams um, moving on forward. But I want to ask you this, Pat. Uh, do you indeed feel like the continuity between Matt Nagy and Nick Foles now, Matt, Nick Foles, undoubtedly gives the Bears the best chance at quarterback to win football games? I, I think that I, I do um, because I saw 44 games of Mitchell Trubisky and um, there were a lot of ups and downs. And at the end of it, he never really, to me, seemed to understand where his teammates were supposed to be. At the end of the day, we, we can say what we want about Nick Foles and, and Nick Foles is not like I said, he's not the, the greatest quarterback in the world, but the fact that he understands Nagy's system. We, we think about that rush, going back to that Darnell Mooney play. He instantly knew where the hot route was, and if he puts the ball there, even though I'm getting hit, even though somebody's rushing me, now granted, it goes a half a yard too long, he misses out on that. But he knows where his guys are, and he's trying to put them in positions to, to, to be successful. Uh, we saw in the game-winning drive, uh, uh, in, in in Atlanta, uh, when he when he literally tells Anthony Miller, "Look, I'm probably gonna get hit on this. Go to the L. I'm just gonna put the ball up somewhere." He's not able to see that. He just knows how the system works, and I think that's the biggest thing when when we talk about the 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 rhythm between Nagy and Foles. Now it has to build up because they've never called plays with each other. Um, but but the rhythm between Nagy and Foles, that dynamic, the fact that Matt can literally tell Nick. Go run the hurry up. Run whatever plays you think in this system are going to work next. We'll send something in if you need to audible at the line, audible. And he can trust him on that. That's the biggest difference. Um, and even though it hasn't, it, you got to look at it. It hasn't looked good since he's been in there uh, starting these four games. But I think that, that that dynamic gives Matt a lot more trust in the guy on the field than what we had before. Nice. Yeah, and he's a Super Bowl champion as well. Um, Super Bowl MVP. Back in Super Bowl 52, Mike, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Pat, uh, talk to me about the buzz in Chicago now that Nick Foles is the quarterback and the, the buzz surrounding this team as they sit right here at 5-2. Five, five what's the what's the talk of the town? Do, do, do the fans really uh, feel like this is a legitimate Super Bowl contender team? Um, if, you, if you gauge the city right now, I would probably say – 70-30 think that this is a 1-5 and five team and 5-2 five and two skin. Um, it, 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 is, it, is a, it is a very, very dark dynamic around the Chicago Bears. And, and for, for good reason. I mean, you, you look at this team, and in today's age, not having an offense of any kind will get you killed. Yeah. I think that, honestly – the feeling would be completely different if the Bears were a mediocre offense, if they could put up 250 yards, two touchdowns on offense a game, because we've got a defense that holds teams to 19 points and is liable to get you a defensive touchdown if you give them the opportunities. Right. All right. Agreed there as well. From the South Side Prodigy, from Kanye to the White Sox to yourself as a fan, we talk about the Bulls. We know the Bulls have a top four pick. In this upcoming NBA draft, um, I've seen a lot of noise about some of the players they may got. A guy I like very well, Obi Toppin. I got a chance to see a lot of him in college. Um, other players like Denny Avicca, um, who blew out the Warriors in his first camp. Um, the kid from FSU, Florida State. I can't remember his name as well. Uh, who do you think best fits 
uh, moving on forward and what are the needs um, that the Bulls need at that top four pick? Um, the need, I mean, we, we need a team, but <laughs> there, there, I, when you look at, when you look at this Bulls team, there's a lot of potential there. Um, you, you can't deny that they, they have talented pieces, but you have to find out how to put them together. So at the top of this draft, you have to be looking for somebody who can put that together. Um, I, I watched the tape on Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin is an offensive force. I mean, he he's a problem. Uh, 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 but Obi Toppin lacks a lot of desire defensively. And there's a lot of people saying, well, you know, defense isn't isn't as big in, in this NBA. Yeah, but you can't have no defenders. Even even the Warriors have clay. You know what I'm saying? So um to me, there's somebody in this draft that, that I, I fell in love with the second I saw him. Um, I would probably not take him at four if you can work out a deal for more assets. I would try to move back to get him. But what I saw uh, for, uh, out of uh, Devin Vassell out of Florida was wild. This is a guy who shoots. And, and you look at his numbers, you look at a lot of the numbers in this draft, and it's you know, okay, they, they, they average 12 points a game. They average 14 points a game. Um, but this is a kid who shot 40% from three, 50% from the field. So he's somebody that and, – and, and on defense, he is a clamp. Uh, I know a lot of people looking at Isaac Okoro uh, as, a, as a possible fit for the Bulls there because of his defensive prowess. I think if you can get the defense mixed with the offense, he's De- – Devin Vassell is somebody you absolutely need to be looking at, especially if you can buy low on him. Um, now, based on the Warriors' workout, and Denny Avdia really looks like a good player as well. He looks like he's going to have some good game in this NBA. He looks like he might have good enough game that the Warriors might take him at two. If that happens, the entire, entire draft is going to be shifted because there's not a lot of people that would have thought he'd be going that high. So you, you got to watch out for things like that. You might see somebody like James Wiseman fall. Uh, you might see some, and, and, and he's probably going to be the best big man in this draft. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So there, there's a lot of pieces that go into it. Um, if I had my pick, I would get Devin Vassell and try to move back and see if you could find somebody else that, that's down there lower in the draft. But but who knows with, with AK, you know, he 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 is a, a, a man who can who can masterfully find something at the top of the draft. And then in the second round at the 48th pick, he can go get you uh, the Joker. So, you know, it, it's very different dynamic with him here. No doubt for sure. And even the LaMelo pick, we'll see if he falls uh, maybe to four to the Bulls quickly, Mike, before you had to leave. Yeah, no doubt. Um, talk to me about the hiring of Billy Donovan as the head coach because out of all the coaches that, that got hired so far this offseason, he's one of the more interesting uh, picks to me. Talk to, talk to me about what, how you think Billy Donovan would do with this Chicago Bulls team. Um, so so I'm not going to lie to you. When, when, they, when the talks first came out, I just knew the Bulls were going to go get them. Um, but I was like, don't go get Billy Donovan because he had superstars in OKC. He didn't win with them. He had a uh, 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 superstar talent consistently in OKC, and he couldn't get out of the get out of the Western Conference Finals with them. Um, but as I looked at the hire, as I broke down the hire, kind of looking deeper into it, I had to tell myself this is also the East. 
You don't have to face LeBron James anymore. You don't have to face Stephen Curry. You don't have to face uh, uh, Clay Thompson, James Harden, all of those names. So now you bring all that to the East, although you do have to face Kevin Durant now. But this is a team that you you can, a young team, a, a thriving team, something that is kind of closer to what he does best. And so I think that this is a team that that – Billy Donovan is is probably actually well suited for. And for once, I think it really shows the change in culture around the Chicago Bulls because for once Billy Donovan is uh, uh I think I think that uh, kind of what I was saying was was that at the time it, it really showed the change in culture for the Bulls because uh with Billy Donovan at the time before Doc was released, he was the best hire. He he was the he was the number one uh, coaching candidate because he had the experience dealing with NBA players already. He wasn't an assistant coach. He was able to uh, 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 he, he was able to reach uh, a younger team at, at a time at his time in OKC, and that's kind of what the Bulls have here. They have a younger team that's trying to develop, and so the fact that the Bulls even went out and looked at Billy Donovan to me really, really was showed that. No, we're not going to settle for an assistant coach. We're not going to settle for, for uh, you know, somebody who might be up and coming. We're going to change how we do things because when, when you think about it, think, think about the Bulls' coaching tree. Phil Jackson was an assistant coach. Uh, Vinny Del Negro was an assistant coach. Jim Boylan was an assistant coach. Uh, Tom Thibodeau was an assistant coach. Uh, 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 Fred Hoiberg came from college. They've never hired the NBA-established guy. I believe Doug Collins was an assistant. I, I might be wrong on that one. He might have had one stint before. But but really, you you think all the way back to then, they always went for the assistant coach or the or the or the college guy. You know what I'm saying? So the fact that they went and got an established NBA guy really shows that the culture around the United Center has definitely taken a shift. When when you see guys like, cause they do got some pieces. You guys guys like Kobe White. Guys like Laurie Markin, and we'll see if they're trying to make a move to maybe get um something for him. When they have guys like that, when you get bring a guy in like Billy Donovan, who's had success in the college game at Florida, who's had success even with subpar years in Oklahoma City, what do you think can he do mentoring these young players? Um, I, I think that's the reason they brought him in. I think that's absolutely the reason they brought him in. You look at what he did in OKC with a Shea Gilgis Alexander, a guy who many believe like, all right, he's a nice piece, but is he going to be, you know, uh, a name that we say around him? Well, now he is. Now yeah. everybody knows yeah. who Shea Gilgis Alexander is. Uh, listen, if he if he doesn't have a very rookie moment and 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 throws it down to Stephen Adams and doesn't focus so hard in on the play. We're talking about the OKC Thunder going to the Western Conference Finals, and we're we're probably lauding Billy Donovan for being able to develop this kid this far. So I think that's why he's even in Chicago right now. Um, and his relationship with Chris Paul, of course, we know Kobe White and Chris Paul have a very close relationship. Uh, he'll be able to kind of extend that knowledge. And, and Chris Paul has told Kobe already, like, this is the guy you want in your building. He's a great guy. Um, and and with this young talent. I think that it's something it's someone they can respect. Right. We've seen so many coaches come in who, you know, the young guys don't know to disrespect them. They don't know to 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 not listen. So you saw a Lowry Markin and just be like, all right, well, I guess I'm a spot up shooter in the corner now. And he did that. You saw Wendell Carter Jr. just, well, I guess I better just play defense and not worry about scoring. So he did that. They they don't know enough to just play their game. Uh, I think we saw Zach Levine, who's who's a more established vet. He was like, I'm playing. I'm shooting mid-range jumpers. You can't tell me not to shoot mid-range jumpers. I'm and, and, and that's not the dynamic you want around your team. But 
when you got Billy Donovan in the building, there's no need for that. There's no reason for that because he has the respect. The players are going to look at him and say, well, he's done this before. He's He's been in the big games with Russ and KD. He, he's been up 3-1. He, he's done these big things. I'm going to listen to what he has to say because he probably knows a little something about basketball. And that's something, honestly, the Bulls haven't had in the room probably since, as weird as it is to say, probably since Fred. Right, since Fred. No doubt there for sure. Lastly, before we leave here, Chicago sports has been – uh, buzzing throughout everything. Talk to us about what it's meant that, um, you know, just a, a great city like Chicago, who's known for blue collared, hard nosed, physical. Um, you think about the 85 Bears, you think about the 90s of the Bulls. What does it mean to be part of excellence in Chicago sports? Um, I mean, you grew up with it, bro. Like, like it's, you you literally everything is is Ditka, although not so much no more after his crazy self came out and was just old and see now. Um, but it's, it it was Ditka. It was it was uh, sweetness. It was the fridge. You know when, when you're talking about the Bears, you're talking Sayers. You're talking and, and when you're looking at the Bulls, it, it's Jordan. Like like everything is greatness. And, and you think about even when the Bulls and the Bears won. They were some of the greatest teams to ever do it. And so it's kind of like no team can ever live up to that standard in Chicago. And so it it makes it hard to to, uh, kind of talk Chicago sports with a lot of people because they like ain't nothing like Jordan was. But but it's also love because we always have those moments. We always have that vibe. And so the fact that Chicago sports is kind of making a comeback how it is. I mean, the fact that the Bears are relevant in national sports talk almost every day is is crazy. Even if they are disrespecting us, the fact that they're talking about us is crazy because we're not used to that here no more. Uh, The fact that the Bulls are, are, are honestly looked at as one of the best uh, rebuilding teams that there is right now and, and one of the best to make that leap is crazy because we're not looked at like that a, as much anymore, you know, because we haven't been in these positions in so long. I mean, you talk about the Bulls, it's all the way back to Derrick Rose. So it's it's really, it really is, it, it, it's it's love to be from here and it's, it's, it's love just, just to feel the vibe when Chicago sports is buzzing. It's one of the best cities in the world when the teams are winning because there's just there's there's a feeling of just camaraderie and come together and 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 especially how they win normally you know like like you said it's a very blue collar city you think about uh, the '85 Bears or, or even the Bears now like if the Bears now can turn it around this would be one of the most beloved teams in football because it's like man they they busted their butts to do this they they grinded it out they went through the tough times and they came out the other side you know and it'll be the same with the Bulls after they rebuild saying. Um, it's always a pleasure uh, to have you back as a returning guest talking Chicago. Um, I'm on I'm on all DSPs, all streaming platforms, uh, the Windy City Breeze, and I'm on all social media at Pat the Designer Man. Follow me. Uh, it's a ton of Chicago sports content. It's a ton of ton of uh, 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 entertaining content. It's really a lot of my social media is just me being goofy at this point. Uh, <laughs> so so y'all pull up for sure. Hey, the tick. Hey, the TikToks, man, the TikTok I, I got to get back on them, bro. Like the, the LeBrons versus Jordans. It really wasn't even for other people to find funny. Like it was just because it made me laugh because the conversations are so goofy to me. It's a pleasure to have you on, man. All Until right. next time. For sure. Peace.
that was a great segment right there, Mike, with, with, with uh, Pat and uh, Chicago stand up because the guy knows what he's doing. And, and folks, if you haven't checked him out, the description to his content on YouTube, Windy City, The Breeze, and also the pod version, the audio version as well will be listed below. But Pat, the designer, he's, he's doing it well for uh, Chi-Town in the 617. Yeah, he's doing a great job. And I always love getting uh, getting in tune and, and chopping it up with the local media and getting getting their perspectives because they're the ones with the ins and outs information on everything. So, yeah, shouts out to him and everything that's going on in Chicago, with Chicago sports. And, uh, and good luck to him. Yeah, good luck to him. All the best in his endeavors. And from Chicago sports, we go... Across the country, in a more broader stage, we talk about the NFL week seven. It's quick. It's crazy, Mike. We come to week eight. Um, big teams that surprised us. The Pittsburgh Steelers getting a huge win in Music City in Nashville. They really, really bounced on them early. Now, Ben Roethlisberger made some crucial, crucial mistakes late that could have cost them the game. But Steven Kostowski, they put themselves in position to win. He just misses. And no more unbeaten for the Tennessee Titans. But I think if you're a Titans fan, you paid three games in 13 days, Mike. We know the COVID things that they had. They had to reshift and their scheduling was crazy for the NFL. Three day, three games in 13 day span was tough for them. So I think they started off slow. I, I expected a sluggish start for them. That's why I thought this would be a low scoring game. It didn't. And so I, I think even as a, a Titans fan, you were down 17, down 20 at one point, and being able to come down, you got to keep your head held high. There's no moral victories in football, but I, I think Tennessee is set up for another po deep postseason run. Yeah, there's no more victories in football. And the crazy part about it is they still had a chance and should have won this football game, even even down 27-7. to 7, You know, the field, a couple, couple missed field goals here and there, a couple of plays that didn't go their way. Yeah, you're right. Getting off to those slow starts, it never, it never helps, especially against a great team like the Steelers who have been rolling all season long. You can't find yourself in a 20-point deficit against that team and expect to, um, you know, give yourself a bit the best opportunity to come out on top. So they, they understood that. But in that second half, they, 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 they came out firing. They came out firing. They did their thing. But, I, but hats off to the Pittsburgh Steelers because right now they look like probably the most cohesive, the most disciplined team, and, uh, and, and the, most, the most ready team coming into the season uh, so far on, on all three levels of the ball. And I'm, I'm very impressed with what I'm seeing from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And even though they didn't perform as well on both sides of the ball in the second half of that game, they made enough plays and they did what they had to do to finish it off. And um, they're, they're the only undefeated team in the NFL right now because of it. Yeah, no doubt. Number one against the pass, Mike. Number one yeah. against the run, Mike. This defense, it's reverting back to those great Pittsburgh steel curtain defenses that we are accustomed to knowing uh, with some of these great players that we have there for sure. But don't look out next week. This week, in fact, this weekend, we've got the 6-0 Steelers traveling to Charm City against the 5-1 Ravens. Ravens had two weeks to prepare. That may not only have AFC North implications, but also around the conference for seeding, uh, right? So we'll see. That's a huge game earlier on, midway through the season. Other big games, we had Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. I thought this was a game, Mike, where two MVP candidates, they, they could have solidified themselves, and that could have been their moment. You know, sometimes when you're debating at the end of the season who's the MVP, you go back to games like these where yeah. MVP candidates meet head-to-head, -head, right? And in Arizona, Kyler Murray, he did his thing. Now, the defense didn't help in their end of the bargain, but 
what a show he put on, Mike. I mean, 427 total yards. I mean, he looks like a – you ever played Madden and the dude just like a human joystick? Like, that. <laughs> that is what Kyler Murray is. I don't know how you game plan for him. The guy is accurate. He can throw, and he can get out the pocket. You got to be able to put a spy on him, but you can't just put any spy on him, right? right. That's the thing with Kyler and Lamar. You can put a spy on him, but – if your if your spy isn't laterally quick enough to keep up with them, it's useless. And we saw that putting Bobby Wagner on him that as great as Bobby Wagner is, and I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. My he can't Absolutely. keep up right at this point of his career with the Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins got cooking, and and also the legend Larry Larry Fitzgerald as well. But I got to give credit to this defense, Mike. They've got some playmakers. Yep. You got Patrick Peterson, Buddha Baker. We spoke about him how great he is last year. Uh, um, and also guys like um, uh, eighth overall pick, my guy Simons from Clemson. Mm. So making a crucial, crucial, crucial. That was pick. a high IQ play, Sabi. Crucial, crucial IQ pick, play. crucial pick there. But on the other side, Russell Wilson didn't disappoint as well. Three eighty-eight, uh, four TDs through the air. Three of them to Tyler Lockett, who put on a show. Um, but those three crucial turnovers. That was an unlike. You know, Russell Wilson performance, he hasn't thrown three interceptions since 2017, Mike, almost a three-year span. So I, I think that, you know, the Seahawks, they know that Arizona and also the 49ers are on their tails in what I think is the best division in football. And so the need for them to get Carlos Dunlap was huge. And, and we seeing why they can't manufacture any type of pass rush, Mike, but I don't think these two candidates disappointed, Mike. I just think that at the end, uh, those three key turnovers was the difference. Yeah, they, they, they definitely were the difference, and they were key, you know, because, you know, Russell Wilson, he had an outstanding performance in the first half, putting up 27 points and having like 273, almost 300 yards passing in the first half alone. It just it looked like from the standpoint of, oh, they're about to put up potentially 50 points and put this game on nice before it even gets started. And, um, and it's not even going to be close, but um, – I would, I'm going to tell you this about this Arizona team. Sebi. I came into this season saying this team has the potential to be a big-time juggernaut. They have a I chance agree. to be in one of the best offenses that we've seen in a long time. And when I watch this Arizona team, the I really, I truly feel the only team, the only people that can stop this offense is themselves. When, they, when Kyler Murray is overthrowing receivers, when they're dropping passes, when they're uh, getting holding penalties, when they're not blocking, they're the only offense that can stop themselves. They can't be – it's almost like they literally can't be stopped because of all the weapons they have out there. I feel like they know how good they can be offensively, but they haven't reached their full potential offensively or how really, the ceiling of how really good they – it was plays where he was overthrowing DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk and guys like that. That would have been walk-in touchdowns that would have made this game out of, out of the blue early. I mean, this offense is – that special and that real, and I, I I only see them getting even better as the season progresses. But but you're right. As far as the MVP race is concerned, Kyler Murray has put himself in the conversation, especially after these last couple games. And not only that, I tried to tell you, Sebi. I tried to tell Ashley as well when she was on the show. This this MVP race is not a lock. It's not even close to over. We only you know 30, 30 maybe thirty thirty five percent almost halfway through the season. And uh, it's a lot going on. And, you know, Russell Wilson threw as many interceptions in that game on Sunday as he had the entire season coming into that game. So Correct. It's, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's very enticing. And um, I still feel like Aaron Rodgers is in the conversation based on what he – based on the performances that he's had, um, especially on Sunday. So Oh, my God. A, he put a, on a show in Houston. He put on, put on a big-time show. And, and, and you know, but this, this game – 
this Seattle versus Arizona game was pivotal. It was it was a big time performance, and uh, it just shows the battle of two teams that are very evenly matched. And I'm very intrigued to see what the last, what the the, the next matchup between these two are because I don't care where where the where arena they play in, what stadium they play in, where they are. These 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 two quarterbacks are going to duel it out, and they're going to battle, and it's going to be prime time football for everybody to watch. And I think that's the next evolution of a brewing rivalry, mm-hmm. right? They're, in, they're rivals. They're NF division foes. Kyler Murray's not going nowhere. Russell Wilson is in the prime of his career. Yeah. He just signed a max deal. They're not going nowhere. We may be seeing some great, great matchups twice a year with these two guys for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and, and I also think about that with Lamar and Ben Roethlisberger. I think that Ravens and Steelers rivalry may be reuniting yet again, mm. Mike. But the highlight of the night, DK Metcalf, the guy's not good, oh, man. The, the, <laughs> uh, the, the play where, and we have to lament, Buda Baker is excellent, man. There, there's nothing this guy can't do, and we spoke about him last week. Right. He jumps the hot, right, hot, hot route, excuse me. He takes it, and we're thinking he's taking it to the house. We see a guy running. <laughs> with a dark visor running like a deer. We look up, it's number 14. It's DK. Yeah. It's DK. He's hunting them down. And you know what's crazy? Jamal Adams a few weeks ago said that he is the modern day Megatron. He may not be lying, Mike. No, for real. I see it. I see the potential. And on that play, it was it was crucial because you know you, you saw that 40 speed, you saw that track speed along with you know the combination of his size and ability. You saw how he can get down the field at will. Uh, whenever he wants to, and it was special, man. It was it, watching that, watching that play. That's all our effort, and what it, made it, Mike, it what was made real. It, what made it even more special was the fact that Seattle uh, held Arizona from scoring on fourth down on that on that drive. So not only did that drive, you know, stop three points, it stopped any points. It, they didn't score any points on that drive, and it was a crucial play. And that's that's one of those plays that you know young AAU coaches coming up, high school coaches, college coaches are going to be showing in the film room, like, this is the type of effort that you need to be a, to be a champion and to win ball games and, and to maximize your potential because that right there was all-out effort, all-out hustle. There was nothing, there was no X's and O's involved in that. That was just all-out one-two. I'm going to stop him from scoring a touchdown before he gets it, you know, so I, I love that play from DK, and DK, you're right. He he can be the modern-day Megatron. He can be the modern-day T.O. That, that's how special yep. this brother is, so the, the sky's the limit for him. As long as he stays with Russell Wilson, I see this being a dynamic duo for years to come. Dynamic duo for you to come. And this is why I want to piggyback on what you said there, Mike. As AAU coaches and as collegiate coaches, you tell your receivers to do that because why? Because the result may end up not seven, but three. In this instance, it ended up zero, zero because it was a fourth. They stopped them on four downs yep. in the red zone. So, you do that to give your defense and to give yourself an opportunity to, for them not to score easy points. Speaking of MVP candidates, Russell Wilson, 22 touchdowns. Next up is Tom Brady mm-hmm. at age 43. The Buccaneers, Mike, they're starting around into form. They went to Vegas. They could have partied. They could have went to the casinos. <laughs> it was a business trip. They went to Algiant Stadium and took care of business. Brady, magisterial, Mike, masterful. 370 through the air, four touchdowns. 559 touchdowns, the most in NFL history by any quarterback that surpasses Peyton, Drew Brees, Favre, Rodgers, Marino, you name it, Elway, Brady, 559 through the air throughout his career. He put on a show, if Mike, and all of a sudden now, 
regardless of whatever you want to say about Antonio Brown, you put some respect on his name. The guy is only 30, entering his the, the prime of his years as well. He wants to continue his Hall of Fame career. Right. They happen to be having him this week, Mike. Oh, yeah. They do. They do. <laughs> they do. He had to sit out. He had to sit out that one week because of, you know, the COVID protocol and everything. But, you know, and then not, and not only that, he was on the, he was on the suspension. So but but definitely, but definitely, and, and, man, you're right. It seems that this is this is almost unfair, Savvy. I mean, it's, 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 it's unfair, really Mike. unfair because you, you have you have this team rounding into form at the right time. And then on top of that, you add one of the top two or three receivers in the league when he's healthy and on the, on the field. It's, it's, it's that it's that crazy, and um, not only are they running into form, but it was I, I feel like that was actually a great football game for three quarters. You know, Oakland, <laughs> uh, <not> Oakland, <laughs> Vegas, and Tampa Bay were going back and forth. Derek Carr was dueling with Brady, and then Brady just unleashed. They just unleashed in the fourth quarter with twenty one unanswered points to to blow the game open. So it was it was a, a special performance. You see how good this defense has been playing that they're running into form. But on top of that, the offense is clicking on all cylinders, and now you add an Antonio Brown to the mix. Man, oh man, this is this this offense is going to be even harder to stop, and uh, if you just you just you're taking you're taking years off of Brady as you add these weapons. If he can if he can continue to have these weapons, Sebi, maybe I was wrong. Maybe he can play until he's forty five years old. <laughs> maybe, maybe I maybe I was maybe wrong. Mike he I, may I, I justify to, Father Time. I have to fall on my sword because I was one of the people that came into the season and said I don't believe this Tampa Bay team is going to be that good. I don't believe they're going to make the playoffs. I'm wrong about that. I'm wrong. They're going to make the playoffs. It's going to happen. With all these weapons around Brady, with the defense, with the the the, the weapons, uh, the skill players offensively, the fact that Gron- Ron- Rob Gronkowski and him are starting to get that chemistry back after knocking off some rust. I mean, this this guy, he looks, he looks man, 43 where? He doesn't even look 43. He looks like a, 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 he's still in the prime of his career at some, 33, at some point. 33, right? 33, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's special to watch in Tampa. And I'm just, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm I'm just I, I, instead of doubting it, I'm just ready to en- embrace and enjoy greatness because we don't know how long we're going to see Tom Brady anymore, and and what we're seeing in Tampa Bay right now is just pure greatness, pure IQ, pure pure mental toughness, pure just pure work ethic, and, and I, I'm I'm enjoying it right now. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing in Tampa Bay. And Mike, I may be drinking the Kool Aid. You know how big of a Tom Brady fan I am, but oh, yeah. I might drink the Kool Aid because when you think about it like this, you got to think about yourself in a in a coordinator's mind. How do I prepare for this uh, uh, Tampa offense, right? Because they've got three guys, legitimate. They've got three guys now that legitimately you can, you have to say to yourself, they can't be guarded one-on-one. Nope. Rob Gronkowski has is, is come to his own all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. I obviously, he had two weeks, two two years off and, and you know, partying and stuff and <laughs> out of game shape. But now all of a sudden, we forget how dominant of a force he is oh, yeah. in the trenches as a tight end. So, he can't be guarded one-on-one. Antonio Brown, his resume speaks for itself, Mike. We right. know he demands double coverage. Mm-hmm. And then you've got number 13 outside and Mike Evans as well. <laughs> you, you, in the red zone, you you can't cover him single coverage. So now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have legitimately three players that you have to say to yourself, they can't be guarded one-on-one. So yeah. <laughs> what do you do? And then we forget about Chris Godwin. And O.J. Howard. Yeah. OJ Howard, they've got the Miller kid all of a sudden had 109 on Sunday. And then in the back court, the backfield with, with LaShawn McCoy and Ronald now Jones, Leonard yeah. Fournette, who Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are right in their primes. Yeah. And so 
this is going to be a nightmare for anybody in NFC. And I might be drinking a Kool-Aid, Mike. I, I'm, I, I might be drinking a Kool-Aid, Mike. Tampa is, is for real. And the defense, we see what Todd Bowles is doing. Oh, yeah. Manufacturing pressure. And they've got some guys in that front. If they, Tampa, you're not going to run against Tampa Bay. They're, they're top three in, in, in stopping the run. You're going to have to throw against them. Carlton Davis, who's who's made a name for himself in that back line, along with Antoine Winkfield Jr. This is a complete team. And maybe, maybe, Mike, maybe probably the best team in the NFL. And that might that might be saying something with Kansas City there, too. It, it definitely is saying something. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought up that defensive line and the other players. But offensively, you're right. It really comes down to this offensive line and how they perform. If this offensive line performs on a week-to-week basis and gets consistent with their, with you know, the, the pass protection and also their run blocking, this forget offense it. is un- – forget it. Just forget it. You have to forget it. And the fact that they go up against this vaunted, this this uh, very lethal defensive line every day in practice, uh, you, you you prepare them every week, every Sunday, they're well prepared uh, for battle because because of the work that they put in all throughout the week against that defensive line. So a combination of everything that you said, man, this, this Tampa Bay team is starting to look scary. Like you said, it's not how you start the season, it's how you finish. And at the start of the season, it was Tampa Bay that was struggling a little bit in, in New England. That was looking like the the they, they, the the prize. So, but now the tides have turned a little bit. New England has um, you know, New New England has struggled over the last few weeks, and Tampa Bay is the one that's found their niche and found their found their um, their found their um, their their, their found their rise as well. So, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be how interesting many, to see how, how to finish the season. How does Belichick feel now? Uh-huh. Right, two and zero, oh, and now I'm going to they've lost four straight. Well. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Where, where, how does New England feel now, Mike? Well, well, I'm gonna say this about New England. It's different because last year, I don't. I'm gonna say this. Tom Brady looked bad last year. It was. It was not in the in the past with Tom Brady and when he was in the prime of his career, majority of his career, to be honest with you. Tom Brady was able to thrive in that system because he, he had familiarity with the system. He knew what was going on, and his IQ was amazing. It, he didn't have to have the most top notch receivers in order to get the job done. The older he got. And the, the lesson when the moment his running game wasn't as dominant as it was, that's when you started to see, you know, uh, offense, uh, defense start to key on him and key on the passing game. And those the, the, the lack of weapons on the outside started to uh, started to affect him and the rest of the team. Well, all you did was replace Tom Brady with another quarterback, another quarterback that doesn't know this system as well as he does. Another quarterback that doesn't understand. Uh, is that doesn't have a, a full continuity and familiarity with these players yet? You you swapped him out with the same with the same weapons that he has. Julian Edelman, I love Julian Edelman. He can't be your best receiver. He can't be the number one receiver on your team because he's not he's effective when he's in a slot when somebody else is taking the the uh, the, the double teams for him and he's able to capitalize off the one on one coverages. When Julian Edelman and those guys are the best receivers on your team. That's, that's when it struggles. They didn't add any weapons to this team. Tom Brady went to a situation where he went from no weapons, uh, uh, essentially, in New England to, I mean, all the weapons and a, a huge plethora of them in Tampa Bay. So he, you see why he's starting to thrive now. You see how he's starting to get his feet wet. Meanwhile, Cam Newton is, is left with the scraps that he was left with, which is why he left New England in the first place, and they haven't capitalized and gotten any weapons for him. So I, is Belichick is it from a standpoint of, what, do we need to make a move now? Do we need to make a move ASAP for a receiver? Do we need to make a move for something? Because right now, the lack of weapons is really starting to show. And Cam Newton, Cam Newton is not playing well. This offense is not playing well at all. And uh, it's starting to show it's, the, the lack of uh, outside threat, the deep threat, the intermediate threat. 
the, those those lack of weapons are really starting to show for this New England team, and it's catching up to not only the offense but the defense as well because the offense is not sustaining drives, and the defense is getting worn down by the third quarter. And there's a solution for this, Mike. There's two options. You call out the Browns. They're looking to shop in Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. We know Odell Beckham Jr. off the field has a relationship with Cam Newton. Yeah. You try to make a trade for 13. That, that's an option A. Option B, if you can't find any suitors, you're going to have to give up your all-pro reigning defensive player of the year in Stephon Gilmore because yeah. he has value. Big you got to try to get something for him, maybe a couple first-round or second-round draft picks. You use that as bait, and you try to get yourself somebody. But there's two options to this, and, and, and you got to give Cam Newton somebody to throw. Somebody. Right. You, 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 Julian can't be your your best your best player. <laughs> a lot of question marks for Bill Belichick to to kind of figure out. I want to talk about Baker versus Burrow, mm-hmm. right? Quickly now, all four teams in the FC North have competent quarterbacks now. Yes, right. Yes, the fourth straight week, Burrow has thrown for three hundred yards. We thought that Cincinnati was setting themselves up to win the game. You picked them to win last week. Yes, but. Baker Mayfield, boy, did he get hot in that second <laughs> half. They struggled first half, but, Mike, he went 22 or 25 in that second half alone, 18 in a row at one point, yep. 18 straight completions, and he gets it to uh, uh, Donald Peoples-Jones uh, out of Michigan. People forgot about Man. him, right? People really forgot about him, but the Browns, what can Brown do for you? The Baker really cooked up something in that second half. He definitely did. I believe, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he got all the way up to 20 straight completions after the Odell Beckham injury, and it, it was it was a special performance, just like we talked about with the Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray matchup for years to come. My, my take, my biggest takeaway from watching that game was we have a matchup. Uh, in, in the Battle of Ohio between Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield, potentially for years to come with this duel, because you saw the first game, the first time they played each other uh, this season in Week Two, you saw how they, how both both quarterbacks brought the best out of each other, and you saw it again in this matchup right here. This is a sign of things to come for this Battle of Ohio and these two franchises, and the quarterbacks, the quarterback play is going to be special for years to come, assuming that, that they stay with their respective organizations. But you're absolutely right, man. I was I was impressed by what I saw from Joe Burrow. He 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 was he balled out. He he gave this team opportunities and chances to win down the stretch. It just it just wasn't enough. He was out out by Baker Mayfield, who at, after Odell Beckham's injury was phenomenal. I mean, he spread the ball around. He he didn't force anything. He took with the defense, gave him Cleveland looked looked like they got even more um open with the playbook and things of that nature. And this is this this in my opinion did not look good for Odell <laughs> because you've already had struggles. In my opinion, it's not Odell's fault because Cleveland, ever since they've acquired him, never knew had never used him properly, never knew how to use, never knew how to get the ball in his hands, never gave him the proper amount of touches per game that he needs in order to be successful as a transcendent talent. But with this situation, it doesn't look good when you go down injury-wise and the offense looks, looks as good as they looked all season long. I mean, Baker Baker looked real good. If they can continue to look this well throughout the rest of the season, then it's it's a, it's almost a foregone conclusion that they're going to get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. at some point in this season, whether trade or or, or, what, or whatever the case may be. But um, yeah, this 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 uh this battle of Ohio was special, and I look forward to seeing Joe Burrow versus Baker Mayfield for years and years to come. And I'll say this before before I, before I pass it to you, Sebi, Cincinnati, in my opinion, right now is the best one in five team in football. The, the way they play, if you look at their look at their schedule and look at how they played throughout this season, they're the best one in five team in football because of you know how competitive they are week to week and the fact that you know 
their losses. Some of their losses have come down right to the wire, some bad breaks, and bounce, the ball just bounce, haven't bounced their way. But this, this Cincinnati Bengals team is special, and they're one of those one and five teams that is looking at themselves like, yeah, we could easily be three and two, potentially, uh, you know, three, excuse me, three and three and three, four and two, things of that nature. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Cincinnati looks like the rest of the season. But um, this battle of Ohio is going to be special for years to come. No doubt, and, and Cincinnati can say they struck gold. The Cincinnati kid who grew up in South Ohio. Uh, and Joe Burrow, he's delivered thus far. Oh, yeah. But through three years as a starter, one thing about Baker Mayfield, he's 6-0 and against the Bengals. So mm-hmm. he may have the upper hand right now in the Battle of Ohio. But I'm not buying this, Mike, with oh, Odell God. Beckham. This is why you brought Kevin Stefanski to the Browns, right? Offensive mind out of Minnesota. You brought him in as a guy that can, you know – Coach the offense and coach Baker Mayfield with the success he's had with Case Keenum and also with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. And Kevin Freddie Kitchens wasn't the guy. We would say he's an upgrade over Freddie Kitchens. I believe so. But you got to be able to get a guy like Odell Beckham. A guy like Odell Beckham, he's a guy, Mike, as a transcendent talent. You could use him as a decoy, as great as he is. Absolutely. To get people open. So I don't buy that you don't know or you don't have plays schematically to get him open. Because if I put Odell with Sean McVay, McVay would know how to get him open. Oh, my goodness. If I put him with Kyle Shanahan in in, uh, San Francisco, he would know how to get him open. You bring Drew Brees and Sean Payton, a guy like uh, uh, Odell Beckham, they would know how to get him open. So I'm not buying that they don't know how to get him open. All the great minds in the NFL know that. And I know Kevin Stefanski knows football, so I'm not buying this that they don't know how to get him the football. Because I saw them in spurts do that. I saw uh, uh, recently in Dallas, they got him into some bootleg option and some reverses. That's getting Odell the ball in space, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen them getting comebacks. So I, I'm not buying that. I just think that they're not, you know, in sync right now in Cleveland with Odell Beckham Jr. But with that being said, uh, quick games in week eight, a lot of big ones, New Orleans and Chicago. We've got the big one, of course, and the Ravens going at home, hosting the Steelers as well. And then the 49ers are going to Seattle. Those are the three marquee games, Mike, that highlight week eight. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Steelers versus Ravens matchup. It's always a bomb burner when they when these two guys collide, collide against each other and um you know, depending on what, what team shows up, I, this is a potential for Baltimore to, to give the Steelers their first loss of the season. You know, uh, they, they've been playing so well throughout this year that, um, you know, every team is due for, you know, one game where they, they are looking their best. And this could be potentially be that game against a divisional rival that's head on their heels and ready for them. And, uh, but you're absolutely right. This 49ers-Seattle matchup is going to be very interesting because the 49ers, over the last couple of weeks, look like they found their – they got their rhythm back. They look like they, yeah. they, look, they, look, they remind you of the team that you saw last year um, making that Super Bowl run. So Jimmy G is back in form. He knocked that rust off against Miami, and now he's now he's looking um, he's looking very sharp. And uh, whether he can continue that against Seattle is going to be huge because this is a big game for Seattle. And what I think is the best decision in football, yeah, uh, for all these games, even the Rams right now, Mike, are five and two. Yeah, and now it look <laughs> it's crazy. So um, the NFC West, man. Expect the wild, wild west for all these teams. When we come back, the Dodgers mirrored what the Lakers did in LA. We'll talk about them winning their seventh title in franchise history. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show.
live inside Studio Z.